Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. We just give you praise and we give you glory. What awesome days it is to be alive and serving you. Lord, we're just so grateful. Father, I believe we live in the greatest country in the world. And Father, we just serve the greatest God, the only, the living God. We just give you the praise, the glory. Thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you've accepted it. You've paid the price for us. And where would we be without your glory, without your grace? And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 26. This is an area that God's just been dealing with me just lately. But in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says that you will keep in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. I love that because he trusts in you. It says he will keep in perfect peace. How many of you could use some peace? Can I have an amen? You know, we do. We live in turbulent times. The Bible talks about turbulent times in the last days. And I just find, you know, so much of the world is striving to find peace. They're looking for it in a place. They think if I could go to Bali, if I could go to, to Thailand, is that right? You know, that, that peace is not a place, it's a person. How many of you know when you get to Bali, look in the mirror, you took your biggest problem with you, you. How do you get away from you? Is that right? I think love is coming right about now. We think it's sort of foods or something like that or the latest fad, whatever that is. But in 2 Timothy, how many of you believe the Bible? In 2 Timothy, it says in chapter 3, verse 1, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Those are the days that we live in right now. Perilous times. I was just doing a word study. There's only two times in the, in the Bible that that word perilous is used. Once here. The other time when it describes the, the Gadarene, you know, it was filled with demonic, the demonic Gadarene. The only two times are used are there perilous times and it's used to describe that man. If you get an English dictionary and you do a little bit of a word study, it breaks down to ragingly insane. So Paul's describing the world in the last days as ragingly insane. Those are the days we live in now. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Drive on the freeway for a while and see. People get out and kick your car. I'm, hello? You know, our office has got broken into. A 15-year-old girl just broke into our, with her boyfriend's trashed the whole place and stole computers, I run up $2,000 worth of debt before we realised and we could stop payments. You know, and the poor old police, go and have a look at my bumper sticker. If you don't like the police, try living without them for a little while. My son's a detective, hello. Had 12 police officers in my church, finest young men and women I've ever met, lay their lives on the line. And they came up and they were just almost crying. They said, there's nothing we can do, 15-year-old, so just get a smack on the, on the wrist. You know, and what I was going to do, <laughs> I can't believe this. They said, they might come back again. So I'm planning, I'm going to get there tonight with a baseball bat. And I'm going to sit in, and, and I woke up, I'm thinking, what am I thinking? I'm, going to, I'm hiding, going to be hiding behind the door with a bat. What am I thinking? Hello. Aren't you glad I got saved? But anyway. <laughs> and he was, the, the poor old policeman was saying, they're out of control. They're just out of control. You know, when I was coming up this morning, I listened to a, the news and the, it's a, there's a restaurant in Germany that's just stopping all kids. 
They said because the kids are out of control, they're smashing wine glasses and pulling things off the table. They said there is no discipline anymore. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm on that. One thing that I can remember, my mum and dad, at least I was disciplined. Thank you. Hello. I was taught to respect. Anybody? It says here in the last days, it'll be perilous times, but look what it goes on to say, for men will be lovers of themselves. And then he goes on to describe lovers of money and boasters and proud and blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, traitors, headstrong, all of those things come as a direct result of men being lovers of themselves. It all follows on, men being lovers of themselves. You know, we live in a generation that's in love with their mirror. If anybody else fell in love with us, we'd get jealous. Is that too deep? <laughs> the average young person today takes 48 minutes of selfies, according to a week. That's according to Time magazine. Seven minutes a day of total narcissism. Don't you know what you look like yet? <laughs> Remember when we actually used to take photos of other people? Hello, is that? Anyway, I was at the high school the other day and I was watching. I said, yeah, look at this. Ten kids come out. Everyone was, was on their phone, every single one of them. I go with my grand. I love my grandkids. We go out to lunch and they're all talking. They're texting across the table on their phones. I said, put your phone down. Hello. We're, we're going back to a lost art. It's called communicating, talking to one another. Hello. Now, you know, it says, talks about here, you know, we're searching everywhere for peace. If we could go overseas and if we could do this and we could eat the right foods and if we, is that right, certain vitamin, I'm not knocking any, any of that. But my mum was 98 when she died. My dad was 96. They've never been in a gymnasium a day in their life. To them, Jim meant Jim Beam. Hello? <laughs> They've never, ever eaten health food. They ate the crackling off the pork. I mean, butter so thick you could cement the, the bread together. I said to my dad, you can't eat like that. And he said, I'm not eating tree bark and lawn clippings. They're all dead at 40. <laughs> so you're advocating? No, I'm not. I'm just saying that my parents, despite all that, they lived to almost 100 years of age. Today you've got people pop pills and they more pills until you rattle when you walk. Is that right? The only thing that I can remember is that there was no stress. Stress is the greatest killer. I, my doctor was the other day, uh, I got a great doc. You know, he's a real ochre bloke. I just, I, I love him. Hello, you know. And I got a, bitten by a dog, taking my dog for a walk. So I've got a big hematoma, you know, blood clot on my leg. So I go to my doc and I said, what do I do? And he said, well, I don't know. He says, Cole, he said, I could cut it and drain it or we could wait for a while. He says, but sometimes I do things and I think next day, what the hell do I do that for? I thought this makes me feel really good, doc. I mean, it really, really gives me a lot of, <laughs> he said, oh, let's just do it. So he sliced it up and I was fine. But he looked at me, he said, you know what? The greatest vitamin pill you can have today is a stress-free mind. A mind, he's not even a Christian, a mind that's at peace. Can I have an amen? Thou will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. See, the battle is in this thing that keeps your ears apart. Can I have an amen? You know, and I don't mean to be smart or not. I remember my dad, I said to my dad, what's your secret for long life? He said, just keep breathing. <laughs> my dad had a great sense of humor anyway. But you know, here... Today, even in today, is that right? Even in the church, we've got people that don't even know what peace is. 
Stress, is that right? There's so much. Let me just say this, if you can't remember anything else. If you don't deal with stress, stress will deal with you. It will deal with you. I find, and research I've done, been doing, it's the major cause of much of our sickness. They think there's many forms of cancer, heart disease, hardening of the arteries, things like that. Comes back, if it's not directly caused, it's indirectly caused by stress. Well, what's the answer? Jesus is the answer. Is that right? There is no peace without the Prince of Peace. Can I have an amen? If you go to Hebrews with me, Hebrews chapter 4, here, and I love this passage. I've been just studying this of late. In Hebrews chapter 4, now we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but most scholars think it was Paul. He writes in verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. How many of you know he's writing to believers? Is that right? For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. But look at verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. We who have believed. I love that. So what's the reason that we enter that rest? We believe. I was thinking about this, and I'm talking to a word of faith, church, you don't... But faith is a gift of God. Is that right or not? But believing is what you choose. You choose it. Deuteronomy said, I set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. You choose. But choose life. You get a choice. You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's your choice, but it would decide. Is that right? Where you spend eternity as well. It's your choice, but what you believe, it's not just enough to know it. You actually have to believe it. You know, I love Smith Wigglesworth. Man, I love that bloke. I just did a book on him, the, the, the Apostle of Faith Down Under. He is a man that could only really read enough to read the Bible. Never read any other, no newspapers were allowed in his house, nothing else. Think about this. He didn't have 200 translations of the Bible. He didn't know Hebrew and Greek. What's a Greek for shut up, you're boring. But anyway, is that right? He had none of this. There was no television ministries. There was no heaps of translations of the Bible. But he raised over 20 people from the dead affected this entire country. Is that right? As he traveled around, is that right? Pulling people out of wheelchairs. And what was his motto? Only believe. Just believe. That's all. Just believe. It can't be as simple as that. Just believe. But it is as simple as that. Just believe it. Just believe it. You know, when Paul is in jail, remember the story? And the earthquake hits. And the jail comes down. And the jailer thinks that they're all got out and he's going to Kill himself. And Paul says, it's okay, we're still here, don't, don't harm yourself. And he says, what do I have to do to be saved? Paul doesn't go, here's the list. He says, believe. Read it. Believe what? Believe in the finished work of Christ. Is that right that he paid a price that you and I could never pay? Now, if that's not true, he just sent that entire family to hell. Just believe, only believe. I love that. Only believe. You just tell people, just believe it. The difference, how come you get people that, have, you know, maybe the first time they're in church and they come out and they get healed instantly on the spot. And then you've got somebody that's been in the church, is that right, since day one, 20, 30 years, and they're still believing for their healing. What's the difference? It's, God is no respecter of persons. It's whether you believe it or you don't believe it. You choose what you believe. How do you choose? By what you focus your mind on constantly over and over. Paul says, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. 
that you may prove for yourself the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. Is that right? Let this mind that was in Christ be in you. What was that? Believing the finished work of God. The finished work of Christ. I love that. Just the finished work. It is finished. We are complete. Can I have an amen? How more complete can you be than complete? I hear people say things, I need something deeper than a revelation of love. The greatest revelation you will ever have, the greatest power you'll ever experience is simply the love of God for you. Understanding the simple love that he loves you just like you are. Can I have an amen? I hear people say, well, I don't feel love. Well, guess who moved? He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Is that right? Is that what it says? I will never under any circumstance leave you nor forsake you. Is that what it says? Nothing will separate us. Nothing will separate us from from the love of God. I hear people say, well, my prayers just don't get above the ceiling. We don't need to get above your navel. The same spirit that raised Christ from dead lives in here. If I really believed it, he lives here. That's why you bow your head when you pray. He lives here, not up there. Is that right? But you know the kingdom of God is within us now. Within it. Can I have an amen? What I'm talking to believers. Who ever heard a believer that doesn't believe? But we do. I don't believe that. I don't believe this. Hello? The cross makes all the difference. If you can just get a revelation, the cross. You know, we have people in the church, a little bit of law, a little bit of grace. They don't know where they fit. They don't know where. Is that right? Vacillating between the two, two bobs worth each way. The cross makes all the difference. Can I have an amen? Jesus says before the cross, he says, if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. But Paul writes, after the cross, we forgive because we've already been forgiven. Now that seems like a contradiction in terms, but the cross makes all the difference. The finished work, is that right? It is finished. I love that. See, we're not praying to try to get something from God. It's already ours. Everything you will ever need in life has been paid for. Healing, protection, is that right? And it's here. We're not trying to talk God into something. It's already here. All he's asking you to do is believe it. Can I have an amen? Just simply believe it. Healing's within you. Protection, provision. Can I have an amen or what? It's already yours. Well, whoopee. What time's this idiot finishing? We can move on. No, I don't mean, anyway. I might be a nut, but I'm a happy nut. Don't shake my tree, I'm happy, I'm happy. He goes on to say in verse 3, for he who have believed to enter that rest. Who have what? Believed. Who enters the rest? Those who believe it. He goes on to say, is that right? And although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, it's already done. Oh, I love it. People say, oh, it can't be that simple. Well, that's what the gospel is. I love Paul. He writes in Acts 20, he says, that I might finish my course with joy. And joy is not the name of his wife. A lot of people don't finish anything today. Do I lie? Some of them ultimate cop-out is commit suicide. They don't even finish life. That I might finish my course with joy, isn't that right? And preach the gospel of the grace of God. Man, I love that. I mean, here's the guy that's persecuted, beaten up, stoned. That's not marijuana. Left from dead. I believe he was dead. He says, is that right? He says, out of them all. Iconium Lystra, the Lord delivered me. Is that out of them all? He's a man, I love this man. Writes two-thirds of the new, half the New Testament. He says, I'm the least of all the apostles. 
Dear God, if that makes you the least, where does that leave you and me? I'm the least of all. And he talks about the grace of God. Is that right? He says, three times I sought the Lord. Is that right? For this thorn in the flesh. God doesn't say no. He says, hey, all you need is a revelation of my grace. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And what does Paul write? He says, I'll glorify God in my weakness, my inability to produce results. For when I'm weak in my own estimation, then I'm strong in God. There's a contradiction totally the opposite to the way the world operates. Is that right? No, no gain without pain. Is that right? But grace is the exact opposite. There is a rest for the people of God. Faith is a rest. A rest in the finished. Is that right or not? It's not trying to work the word. It's allowing the word to work in us. There's a big difference, people, between pushing and shoving and striving and trying to make something happen to believing something that's already taken place. It's mine now. Thank you for your healing. Thank you. Is that right or not? That might just sound oversimplified, but just meditate it for a while. You know, he only believed. The difference is, you know, it's your choice what you believe. Your choice, what you focus your mind on eventually will start to get from your head to your heart. We all know how to do it. It's called worry for a start. Can I have an amen or what? The longest distance you'll ever experience is about 20 inches from your head to your heart. To get something from here down here to where we really believe it. Look at verse 9. It says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Diligent, zealous. What does that mean? Oxymoron. No, it means that you're going to have to do something, I believe, about what you believe. And how do you do that? I believe it's meditate scripture. Go to Proverbs. These are just some things that have changed my life. You know, it's not something that I'm preaching. These things change my life forever. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, those what? Those words. Jesus is the living word. For they are life to those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Is that awesome? And then he says in verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart above all that you guard. For out of it come the forces that determine your future life. One translation says this is where life is created. Man, I love that. Meditate. When I first read about meditate, we were living in Darwin. I thought that meant you went up to Nimbin with some bald-headed yogi sitting in his wigwam going, oh, oh, oh. Well, that's what I'm up in Afghanistan or something in some cave, the Swami. Well, I didn't know any different to that. You know, but then I do a little word study. It means ponder, mutter. Over and over, it means speaking something continually until it begins to produce an image on the inside. See, we think in images. We don't think in words. Our heart thinks in images. If I say I've got a dog, all of you see your own dog. But if I say I've got a boxer, immediately the picture changes. I say I've got a tan boxer with white front, you've got a picture immediately. It doesn't convey words, it conveys images. And the more that I'm meditating image by stripes, I was cured. He himself bore my sickness over and over and over. By day and by night, begins to transfer an image. And what you see is what you'll be. Proverbs 23, 7 in the, new, the old King James, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's a blueprint for your life. If you want to know your blueprint, 
Listen to me. Listen to your heart. Fear is of the heart. Faith is of the heart. Is that right? Most of us have been programmed wrongly, but you can reprogram yourself by allowing the Word of God. Meditate. Don't look at me so super spiritual. Watch out your halos. Don't slip down and strangle you to death. You know what I mean. See, we know how to meditate. Learn some dumb, unbelieving song. Clingity-clang, dingity-dang. They shot my girlfriend and stole my horse. Or shot your horse and stole your girlfriend. I don't know. Don't tell me. Is that You go to bed at night and this dumb thing or commercials going over. Is that right or not? Hello. Order call for liars. Is that right? Going over and over. And don't tell me you don't know how to do it. So I, I focus on a scripture that deals with the problem in my life. God's not given me a spirit of fear. I want a power and of love and of a sound mind. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And I stay with it. When I first wake up in the morning, first thing that comes to my mind, last thing at night, maybe 10 times a day, driving my car, I take it back and I go again. God's not given me as. And after a while, I start to notice changes start to happen. I'm starting to think about myself. I don't even see myself the same way. You know, it's amazing how, how it really works. You know, as I said, I owned a gun shop in Darwin. I knew very little about Scripture. We were the Kenneth Copeland cult of Darwin. Hello? Most of the churches wouldn't have had me on their finger for a wart. Hello? So where am I going to go? And I'm, I had a problem with fear. I damaged my shoulder real bad. I didn't want to be a minister. I wanted to be crocodile Dundee. Leave me alone. So I picked up these scriptures that God's not given me a spirit of fear. I'm, whoa, I love it. And I spent time, and after about three months of meditating that passage, I noticed I, was, I started to think differently. And I'm taking these people out to go shooting. Hello, I bought myself a new camera. I'm doing wildlife photography, 500 millimeter telelens, and I'm, I'm, I'm into photography. And this guy jumps out of the car, sees this wild pig, fires a shot, and just hits it in the side of the head, enough to make it angry. And then the pig turns and charges us. So he drops the gun and climbs a tree. And I'm standing there with a the camera. I'm oblivious to all this. I'm saying, oh, how does this camera work? You know, and I look up and here comes this pig, flat strap. A miracle's great about a week after it happened. And this thing's coming straight at me. I'm not making things up, hello. You know, now whatever is in your heart, how many of you know, in the crisis of life, whatever's in your heart's going to come out. If you've ever been in a car crash, you'll know your head just checks out, excuse me, but I'm out to lunch. Now, whatever's in your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not fine, I'm speaking scripture. I'm not trying to make it up. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. This is all happening in fractions of seconds. And this pig's coming straight at me. I hear the voice inside of me say, when I tell you, kick, kick, woof. And I hit him in the face. I had an ingrown toenail. Oh, and it hurt. Yo, I didn't, I didn't even phase the pig. Blew a bit of snot and just kept on coming again. And I... God's not getting, it's just happening like the blow's up the tree going, oh, jungle gym, crocodile Dundee, you know. This thing's, second time I hear this voice say, when I tell you kick, and I mistimed, I went straight up in the air and went flat on my back. I'm rolling in the mud with a pig. And as God is my witness, the pig gets up and runs away. And I'm standing and my head checks back in again. I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, you idiot. I said, yeah, well, where were you when I needed you? Like, Hello. And the pig's running away, you know. And I'm only a young Christian, so the ego gets in there. The guy says, oh, crocodile Dundee. I said, I kick pigs in the face all the time. It's nothing. <laughs> and I heard this voice say, you're a liar. You needed to change the underclothes, and I did. <laughs> but I learned more from that than I learned from Bible school. That in the crisis of life, whatever's in abundance in your heart will come out. Now, you can say what you like, but you will come out. 
And you'll know exactly what you believe and what you've put in. See, this amazes me. You've got people trying to make withdrawals and you've never made a deposit. Try it out of the bank. Go down and ask for 10 grand. You've never put any, hello? You get the left foot of fellowship real quick. You can only take out what you put in. And it transforms. He says, meditate on my word by day and by night. He says the same thing to David in Psalm. Go with me to Psalm chapter, chapter 1. Man, I love these passages of Scripture. In Psalm, oh, where is it? Psalm 1. He says in verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, if you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you must have to walk in the counsel of the godly. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law, the word of God. And in that law, that word, he meditates day and night. Is that right? He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in his season, whose leaves shall not wither. And whatever, oh, I love it. Whatever he does will prosper. Whatever. Now that is a promise, people. Whatever he does. So if your marriage is not going well, guess what? Is that right or not? Or you've got a problem with fear or, or, or financial things or healing, whatever. But focus on those passages of Scripture. Encapsulated in that passage of Scripture is the grace, is the power to deliver that promise. We're trying to, we're trying to use Scriptures just willy-nilly. Well, as I say, I had a lady in my church dying of cancer. I went to visit her in hospital. And she says, I know who the Antichrist is. Well, I said, well, don't worry. You won't be around long enough to check it out. You need to be in healing scriptures. I gave her, we've got some CDs, 1,500 positive scriptures. Man, I love it. I've only got two left. But for some of you, you need that 1,500. And it's positive scripture. I shove it in my car. I have it when I'm driving, when I'm home, just over and over. We gave it to the lady and I said to the nurse, make sure that stays on. Don't switch it off. I come back three days later, that's off, and they're watching as the stomach turns on TV. Well, that'll, put you, that'll plant you real quick. Is that right or not? So listen to me. It, it, anyway, it, it amazes me that we think we can just focus on whatever we want to think of. And Lord, who's going to enter the rest? Those who believe. Those who believe. Is that right or not? You know, he says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. I love that passage. Moses is dead. Now think about this. Moses, with all of his signs and wonders, you know, the church is always wanting so That's wonderful. But with all those signs of wonders, pillars of fire by night, pillars of cloud by day, Red Sea opens, taps of rock, water flows out. And with all of that, he still can't inspire them to cross the Jordan. With all of those signs. And then he's dead. And Joshua, God speaks up and says, okay, Josh, you're next in line. How would you feel? Haven't even healed an ingrown toenail. If he couldn't do it with miracles, what, what hope do I have? I'd have a few questions. And so God speaks to him. Look with me in Joshua chapter 1. And he says to him in verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Strength and courage, he says again in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. But then in verse 8, he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it by day and by night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous. And then you'll have good success. Meditate by day and by night. That sends people into shock. I've got to do these things. I've got to, no, listen to me. You can meditate whatever you're doing. While you're doing the washing up, hello? Is that right? While you're driving your car, you can meditate scripture. Over, God has not given me a spirit of fear. 
want of power and of love. And I'm meditating. I'm focusing on that until it begins to produce an image on me. So I'm starting to see myself through the finished work of Christ. It's finished. It's complete. See, we're not looking. It's already here. He's asking me to believe something that I've already got. Anyway, thank you for your enthusiasm on that point. It's changed my life. It changed my wife. And, you know, and, and we've had one raising from the dead in a hospital in the United States with doctors there. Lots and lots of different people with cancer. You know, and if I could get them to change the way they saw themselves. Focus on that word over and over. And when it starts, it's called revelation. All of a sudden, you can see the lights come on. I can see it. Oh, I can see it. So you can be preaching to a bunch like this, and I'm not belittling. But maybe one or two will go, whoa, I can see that. The rest are going, oh, yeah, well, what time for coffee? Now, not this church, another church somewhere else. Another church. Of course. Hey, I've been there, man. I'm not picking on you. I've been there the same. I pleaded with God, why don't you heal me and everything? But when revelation came, and I could recognize I already had it, that all he was asking me to do was believe something that I already had. It changed my life forever. The grace of God. How many know grace can be multiplied through the knowledge of God? Grace is increased through knowledge. More knowledge of the finished work, more grace. Is that right? And he says, but God resists the proud. All he wants to do, is that, is that right? You can, you can be humble or you can be humiliated. Your choice. But God resists the proud but gives more grace to the humble. Man, I love that. All he asks you is don't big note yourself. God's not against promotion, just self-promotion. Hello? I feel love's coming. I'm leaving later anyway. Hello? I'm leaving later. <laughs> Got to go and look after my dog. But, you know, think about this. You know, go to First John. We could go, man, we could go on for a week. I'm, I, I love this stuff. It's like sick him to a dog. But First John, man, I love John. If you're ever going to get a revelation of, of God's love, how much God really loves you, a revelation, not just, yeah, I need some deeper teaching. No, you don't. You need to experience God's love. Revelation of it. You know, if you're ever going to study on love, then go to, the, the, to John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Matthew, Mark, Luke call themselves. John doesn't even describe himself. He describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. All he wanted to do was fellowship with Jesus. The others are big noting themselves. Peter's got his foot in his mouth half the time. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to sit at the right hand of the Father? Jesus said, before the day's over, you'll even deny you knew me. If they ever have to die, have you ever said some things you wish you'd never said? Even after die, yeah, right, before the day's over. The only one, the only man that stays at the cross is John. Is that right or not? The only one with a revelation of love. All he wants to do is fellowship with his head on Jesus' chest. Is right? The only one that hears the heartbeat of God. Now, if you want to know love, then read John. Matthew, Mark, Luke were written within a short space of Jesus' death. John, the Gospel of John, was written 60 to 65 years later. He has a revelation of the grace of God that the others don't have. Jesus calls him his friend. And he writes in 1 John, think about this, at the end of his life, in 1 John chapter 4, he says in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, that will jerk the slack out of you real quick. I said, Lord, are you trying to tell me that even if I've got a ministry and I don't want to love? See, I don't believe God's trying to make you feel intimidated or guilty what he's saying is if you don't understand love, you really have no revelation of God. 
All he's taking into a deeper revelation. Is that right or not? Just a deeper understanding, a walk with him. Man, if you get a revelation of how much he really does love you, it'll change your life. I was sitting in Joseph Prince's church five, six years ago, just lost one of my good friends to a heart attack. And, I, I, man, I, I was depressed. I was depressed. And I heard the voice of God say, Cole, I love you. I even like you. That'll do something for you. And he said, when you confessed your sin is not one I found out about it. I've known you from the womb. And I still like you. Hello? Man, I love that. You know, very humbling. Man, humbling that God would love me just like I am, that God would want to be my friend. If I was God, I wouldn't want to be friends with me. Is that right? Think about that. I love that. Jesus calls us friends. He doesn't call us servants. He calls us friends. Can I have an amen? See, everything is based upon family. If you understand, if you want a revelation, it's God the Father, not El Supremo. Is that right? The Father, the family of God in heaven and on earth. It's one of the few things you can take to heaven with you. So whenever you relate, it's relate on the term of family. You know, I hear people say, well, God created us to worship. No, he didn't worship him. I didn't say we don't, but that's not the reason you were created. I've heard people say we were created to serve God. No, you weren't. I'm not saying we don't, but that's not the reason. In fact, Jesus came to serve us. Is that right? Now, I'm not saying we don't do that, but that's not the prime. The primary reason you were were created was for fellowship, family. Did I say to my wife, hey, we need somebody to serve us and worship. Let's have some kids. (laughs) Yeah, right. And what we'll do when our kids come home from school, we'll go in the room and they can stand outside the door and worship us. And when we think that we'll come out and we'll bless them and they can serve us. Well, welcome to the real world, Jack. I serve my kids more than they ever serve me. Can I have an amen? See, it's all about family. You get a revelation, family, how God loves us. Is that right? He says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. Oh, I love it. Abraham, the friend of God. Oh, you say, well, we're sons and daughters. Yeah, well, not all family are friends. That'll come to you in a minute. He says, I call you friends. I call you friends. You know, it's just, it's so, man, it's so humbling when you, you just get a, rev, just get a, rev, rev, a revelation of how much God loves us, just like we are, without trying to prove it and stress out and press and suitably impress everybody. Is that right? But he just loves me just like I am. Just exactly, don't you love your kids exactly as, as sometimes, is that right? The spirit of slap comes on you. <laughs> slap that kid. But I still love them. Can I have an amen or what? I still love my kids. Even when they're bad, it gets better, bro. It gets better, bro. Better, bro. But, you know, is that right? Well, how much more? Like David was saying, I mean, do you put things on your kids? Can't, no. How much more does our heavenly father? Jesus loves us. He says, for God so loved the world. You know, I love the twist the toy. It's so easy to, to preach the gospel of grace to people. It's just so easy. You know, I, I, I know, as I say, I'm not having a senior moment, but most of you, you know, seem to be uh, different. So let me just read a story and then we'll close. Uh, but I go to an Italian barber, Luigi. Now, obviously, he's not Irish. Hello. And Luigi's got tattoos. Now, they're getting all cranky. Hello. Um, if you want one, you have your, that's fine, have tattoos. I just don't want one. Would you slap a bumper sticker on a Ferrari? It'll come to you in a minute. Anyway, so I go there. He's rough as bags. He's away and there's a lady barber. She's rougher than he is. 
And I'm sitting up the back in their square and then they're going for it. And she looks up and says, what do you do? And I said, I'm a minister of the gospel. So the language changed immediately. Amazing. No more swearing. Is that right? Oh, hello. That's not the last, first time. Or the, anyway, and she says, well, and then she picks on God did this and God did that. And way we go out there. And how could there be a God? And I said, lady, just stop. You wouldn't know God if he smacked you in the face. Aren't you glad I'm not your pastor? I said, look at me, lady. I said, look at me, look at me. I said, look at me. I said, God loves you just like you are. Now, I didn't say she's saved. I said, God lo-. She looked at me and said, well, you don't even know what I've done. I said, well, it's not based on what we've done. It's based on accepting what he's done for us. If it's based on what I've done, I don't qualify. I said, I serve a, Lord, a, Lord, a risen saviour that paid the price that I couldn't pay. I said, look at me. I said, he lo-. so she starts to cry right in front of me. Everybody's looking at me. I never laid a hand on this lady, never touched her. She's howling. Two weeks later, she comes to church. I never asked her, never invited her, never rammed a, a track down her throat saying, you're mongrel, you're going to hell. She turns up at church. As far as I know, she's still going to church. Isn't that what it's all about? Called the goodness of God that brings man to repentance. So I go back a month later and she's not there. Louise, he's back and he sees me and he brushes through the people. He comes up and he says, I don't know what you did to Helen, but that must be one hell of a church. I said, well, maybe you need to come too, Luigi. He said, it's not that bad yet. (laughs) Isn't that what it's all about? Just the goodness of God. You know, it it saddens me when I hear people, they're bad noting God, all these terrible things. Is that right or not? Just the goodness. Jesus, is that right? Think about this. He came to pay a price you and I couldn't pay. That humbles me. People say, well, you're just giving people a license to sin. No, you don't need a license. You'll do it anyway. Is that right or not? But you know that God loves me just like I am. Recognises me with all of my faults. See, the only things that love you unconditionally is God and your dog. Everybody else is conditional. If you do this, we'll do that. Is that right or not? But God loves me unconditionally. I I can't get my head around that. That humbles me. And see, I don't want to sin. That doesn't give me a license to go out and do what I want to do. If that's what you're aim is I seriously doubt you've ever had an experience with the Lord the more I realize how much he loves me and has forgiven me the less I want to do that I'm not saying I don't miss it but I certainly don't try to or aim to who can enter the rest of God those who believe believe what believe in the finished work of Christ be transformed Paul writes by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. Is that right? I hear people say, you know, about repentance. That's fine, repentance, yes. Metanoia. It means radically change the way that you think. I don't believe we'll ever experience the love of God, truly the grace of God, if we don't radically change the way we think. Is that right? Allow the word to radically change. That changed my life forever. I started to see myself completely different the way that I used to, radically Allow the word of God to transform my mind. So that I have the mind of Christ, I start to think the way he does. By stripes I was healed. Well, I don't feel healed, but that's what the word says. Can I have an amen? See, you're a spirit. You don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. And when you're born again, your spirit is sealed. It is complete. Is that right? Your body hasn't changed. Your mind hasn't changed. If you're a nerd before you got saved, you're just a born again nerd. Is that too deep? Something has to happen to this thing. 
Is that right? We choose. Man, I love it. I'm complete. I just think about this. This is the real me, the real me. I've got to close off. My brother-in-law just died. Jen's on the way now to the funeral. And I rang him up. He was in bed and I could tell that he was afraid. I could tell, you know, you're facing death. And I said, Brian, I said, you remember when we prayed together? And I, and I said, you said the sinner's prayer? I said, did you believe that? He said, yeah, I did, I did. I said, well, mate, you're born again. I said, there's nothing to be scared of. Just sit back, relax, and just take off, man, like that. And we laughed together. He's on his deathbed. We're laughing together. Within a half an hour, he's dead and gone. They've been struggling for days, I found out later. But as soon as he just let go, there's a rest for the people of God. Not stressing. Not, he said, oh, is that right? He just takes off. My dad, 96. My dad had been saved 10 years. And I went in. I, sit, I sat on his bed and I said, Dad, just let go. Just close your eyes and just let go. He said, I don't want to be here anymore. And he, off he went. Just as simple as that. Isn't that better than tubes up your nose and everything else? And that peace. Had a lady in our church in the United States and she used to look, what do you do, prepare bodies? She said, I know the Christians, she said, because I can see the fear on the ones that aren't. On their face, fear, she said, the backs of the beards scratched like this where they fight to stay alive. But somebody that simply believes and that you know where you're going, just close your eyes and away, it's as simple as that. Oh, awesome. Who's going to enter the rest? Those who believe. Let's strive, let's be zealous. Is that right? That we don't miss it, he says. That we too might enter that rest, that peace of God. Father, I just thank you for my brothers and my sisters. I thank you here for the family. Thank you for Pastor Patsy and Tony. And Lord, I speak a blessing over these people. I speak it out of my heart. I call them the head and not the tail. The head and not the tail, above and not beneath that whatever they turn their hands to shall prosper and succeed. The enemy shall no longer find opportunities to come into our homes and rob and kill and destroy. Father, I ask for a revelation for these people, a revelation of your love, a revelation of your goodness, Father, the grace, the mercy of God, that we might come boldly before the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy in a time of need. Lord, we live in turbulent times turbulent times but father i believe that we don't have to be succumb to those pressures of life the stresses of life that we can enter that rest that place of rest that secret place no matter what's going on around us we can enter that rest while your heads are bowed just for a moment nobody looking around I just sense some people here that maybe you're going through a real tough time, maybe even close to a nervous breakdown. Just close your eyes and, and start to get a revelation. Start to see the goodness of God, the grace of God. Some of you that maybe have sickness in your body, I think Pastor Patsy was talking about someone with a tremor. Just close your eyes. Can you see yourself in perfect peace? No more tremors. Some of you that maybe have headaches or migraines and things like that, close your eyes. Can you see yourself perfectly at peace? Some that may not have been able to run or exercise, can you close your eyes and see yourself running up the stairs? Maybe you've had heart problems and puffing, but now you see yourself running effortlessly up the stairs. Just a piece of cake. Can you see the pains in your body? You raise your arms, your hands, the pain's all gone. Start to see it in your spirit, man. 
Start to see it in your heart where you really live. Begin to speak it out of your mouth. Thank you, Lord. I believe it. I receive it. You paid the price. Father, we just give you the praise. We give you the glory. I see pain leave, stress leave people. Problems in the family just melt away, Lord. The goodness of God, your grace, your favour. While your heads are bowed and nobody's looking around for a moment. Is there anybody here this morning that you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord? Not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. From a kingdom of where you have to do everything for yourself and make it work and make it happen to enter the rest of God. There is a rest for the people of God. Is there anyone just slip your hand up and say, please, pastor, pray for me. I won't drag you down the front, won't embarrass anybody. I'll just pray for you right where you're sitting. Just slip your hand up to say, I believe. I believe. Pray for me. Anyone at all? Across the auditorium. Thank you, Lord. We had a young man get saved in the first service. Praise God. Would you stand up with me real quickly before I pass back to Pastor Patsy? Come on, stand up with me and say this. Would you say this with me? Say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Say, I believe he died for me on that cross, that he's risen again, seated at the right hand of the Father. And I ask you now, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And Lord, I believe. Say it, I believe that I pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I believe that you paid a price that I could never pay. I believe you're my Lord and you're my Savior. Let me leave you with a scripture from the Passion Translation from Psalm 46. It says, take time to be still in my presence. The more hassled you feel, the more you need this sacred place of communion with me. Breathe slowly, deeply. Relax in my presence while my face shines upon you. This is how you receive my peace. And Father, we just give you the praise and the glory. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at ramon.org.au.